Hello and welcome to Season 1 of Career Inspiration by VentureFizz. On this episode, Keith Klein is joined by Keith Pesco-Solito, Director of Recruiting at Drift. They discuss Keith's journey, the Drift hiring process, and how to best position yourself for success. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 1 of the VentureFizz Career Inspiration Podcast. I'm Keith Klein, the founder of VentureFizz and the host for today's program. As you know, VentureFizz is Boston's most trusted source for tech and startup jobs, news, and insights. For the first season of our podcast, we're speaking with some exceptionally talented leaders who head up the HR and talent acquisition function at some of Boston's fastest growing companies. Today, I'm really excited to have Keith Pesco-Solito on our show. He is the director of recruiting at Drift, which just recently announced $32 million in Series B funding. Hello, Keith, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me on the show, Keith. It's it's always good to talk to a fellow Keith in the area. You don't know too many of them growing up, so. Not a lot, and I don't know about you, but I always get the name spelled wrong. K-I-E-T-H is very common that I see. Yes. I don't know if you get that too. <laughs> for sure, for sure. It's a lot tougher spelling my last name, but. <laughs> Yes, yes. I get I get the last name too. Uh, Klein is spelled multiple ways, but it's uh, it's part of the fun. Keeps it interesting. Uh, since this is a podcast, you can't see this, but I'm excited because Keith is actually recording this segment from Drift's Media Room, where Dave Cancel and Dave Gerhardt record their Seeking Wisdom podcast, which is an absolute must listen on the podcast shortlist. I highly, highly recommend it. So uh, definitely check it out. All right, Keith, back to you. Uh, tell us about your background uh, as far as your professional career thus far. Absolutely. So I I graduated from Wheaton College back in 2008. And funny story, I actually was placed in my first job by a recruiter. And, and I actually thought, wow, this is an amazing role to actually help people find jobs. I thought it was really easy. It was just helping other folks find jobs. And I actually landed in the role got in the job on a Monday and sent out my applications to recruiting agencies starting on Tuesday and got an interview on a Wednesday and decided to resign and join an agency on a Thursday. <laughs> so K-Force? Uh, no, it was, a, it was a company actually called Stride Associates. I was there for about three months and it was a t- total opposite perspective of what I thought actual recruiting was. I thought it was actually just helping normal folks out there find roles. Yep. And it's there's a whole different aspect of the business development side, working with companies and matching the right candidate to the right role. Um, I actually followed my boss over to K-Force and I was there for about two and a half years. Absolutely loved it. It, it, it was really exciting, but I really found my niche when I helped place seven candidates into a small startup. I was like, wow, this is really easy to pitch. I know the company, I know the culture, and I know the type of people that work well there. And I, I pinged a few friends that were over at Athena Health because I wanted to go internal. I wanted to build, grow within a company right. and not just place one-offs, uh, know the ins and outs and be able to help a company scale. So I went to Athena Health, Amazing opportunity. It was high volume and got the opportunity. Uh, Leslie Mitchell at the time reached out from HubSpot to potentially help build out engineering recruiting there. 
And my background was in engineering recruiting over at K-Force and made the jump. It was exciting to build the HubSpot engineering team with David and Elias to IPO. And then most recently, I, about three years ago, actually, I became the director of recruiting over here at Drift. Very cool. You talked about your agency experience. Do you think that's a benefit in terms of what's played into your success today? Yes, absolutely. I think the agency experience kind of gives you the hunting mentality uh, and that's the sourcing aspect of recruiting. And uh, if, if sometimes if you just jump internal right out the gates, it's more of posting, posting roles, getting them, getting roles out on other publications and just receiving candidates and not going out and actually building relationships over time with candidates for the right time. Yeah, no, it's definitely a different mindset. So to play off of that, what are the traits that you think make a good recruiter in general? I think you have to have confidence, great communication skills, simply to be able to tell the story of the company and also kind of paint a picture of what it is like to work at the company and what the company could actually help grow your career wise. And then also a listener in, in resilience because it's not always going to be easy. You're going to get a hundred no's before you get one yes. Yep, absolutely. You've had a, an interesting career being that you've worked at companies of all stages. Athena Health was already publicly traded. HubSpot was in rapid high growth mode before the IPO and now Drift, where you've been leading talent acquisition from the ground floor. What are the different uh, aspects that you've noticed from each scenario along the way? Athena Health uh, had great brand recognition at the time when I joined there. And it was high volume, a lot of applicants, and actually kind of sifting through the applicants that applied and trying to choose which ones I should be speaking with. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a ton of sourcing at the time, so really high volume. Um, in, in HubSpot at the time, I was, they had a great brand recognition, but it was also before an IPO, not everyone knew what HubSpot was. It was trying to get the brand out there and it was more building relationships with candidates for the right time, especially on the engineering side of the house is it's not always going to be the right time. Maybe they have a vesting schedule, maybe they, they're learning new skills, but once you have the right role within the organization, that's the time to actually reach out. And then Drift was a whole new ball game for me. I, it was really selling the founders because we didn't have an actual product in the early days. So I think to be able to be a good recruiter, you have to have, have an amazing product to sell, which is the company and the people that work at the company. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. At Drift, um, David Cancel and Elias Torres, the co-founders, they brought you in when? Uh, I, I believe I was a fifth employee in really early days. And why do you think they brought you in so early? Because I don't see that too often. Uh, we established an amazing relationship building the team together at HubSpot. And I think my biggest mentor ever in recruiting is Elias. Uh, he, he's went about recruiting 
a totally different way. And I've learned a ton from him. And, and I think they really value recruiting. They know how hard it is themselves because they've been in the trenches actually recruiting, building companies. It's David's fifth startup. Elias has done three previous startups with David. And I think entrepreneurs know, I know entrepreneurs know, it's the hardest to actually hire after a round of funding. Mm -hmm. You can't hire fast enough. Exactly. Elias, he taught you a lot, you said. So what, what are the things that you know, come to mind of what he taught you through his experience? It, personal outreach. So one thing I believe in recruiting is, say you're hiring for the engineering team, try to find 150, 100 great engineers in the area and, and try to build a relationship, send personal notes to them and, and take an interest. And every time you reach out, send them a, a new nugget of information about the company, maybe why they, they'd want to join the company or even jump on an informal call. So I think it's, it's the informal approach about building relationships and not trying to get your next hire. It's about trying to build the pipeline that's going to keep on giving in the future. You talk about building a, a list of 100 engineers that you want to build a relationship with. How do you even get that started? Like, what? How do you know who <laughs> build out your hundred top ten or top one hundred list? Uh, you could obviously follow VentureFizz. Uh, <laughs> I recommend folks following VentureFizz. What companies are doing well? What companies are hiring? Uh, in 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 sifting through the the engineers on their on LinkedIn um, and and looking through their backgrounds and in sending a tailored message to them. Um, if they're at a good growing company, uh, there's plenty of amazing companies here in Boston uh, that you could you could gather talent from. Uh, obviously, uh, David and LAS have a very strong network themselves. I'm assuming your employees also have a very robust network. How, how much of your time are you spent, or is spent building and uh, just trying to, you know, Employee referrals. You know, how are you trying to leverage employee referrals through the channel? Uh, employee referrals are huge recently because I, I think if you build a company that everyone wants to go into the work every day, they're going to want to refer their friends, their former colleagues. And it's it's not about always oh, just at the end of a meeting saying who do you know. I think you really have to sit down with with your employees and say, who are the three people that you worked with in the past that you want to work with again today? And that sometimes sinks in simply because they're like, oh, yeah, this is someone I want to work with again, and they're willing to pass on the information. They're not always going to send it out just by, just by sending a PSA out to the whole company. Once you have that information, do you typically do the outreach or do you have the employee do the outreach and then intro them to you or what's, what have you found effective? Uh, both. Uh, sometimes they're not comfortable reaching out. So, well, I'll, I'll do the outreach and maybe just make the referral know that that team member, that former colleague is working here at Drift today. Mm -hmm. Or if they feel comfortable, we'll have the, the intro made by the employee to the referral. Uh, hiring engineers is a, a tough spot for most companies. 
you've had success growing the engineering team at HubSpot from 25 people to over 150 in Cambridge and Dublin. You've built the engineering team at Drift from scratch. What tips would you share outside of building out that top 100 list of scaling and hiring great engineers in a competitive market like Boston? Yeah. You have to get buy-in from leadership. And engineers typically don't want to talk to me. And you have I have buy-in from Elias and David that they trust me enough if I find a good candidate and I offer them up for coffee to meet an engineer or designer anywhere in the city or even have them come into the office, they're willing to give their time and be able to tell the drift story to a prospective candidate or engineer that's gonna come here. Because they know by building that relationship up front that it will eventually reap benefits later on when we continue to scale. Because they'll eventually look, they're eventually gonna leave their current company. <laughs> and I would imagine David and Elias are spending a overwhelming amount of time recruiting these days. Yes, uh, and, I, I'd say over 30%. Yeah, it makes sense. And you, I, I was reading one of your blog posts and you talked about informal interviews that you're alluding to are your secret weapon. Um, a lot of people might caution, throw caution at their time that they don't have the time to do these informal interviews that might not necessarily lead to a hire. So how do you go about you know, maintaining that level of trust that this is a good use of everyone's time, not only just for the company, but also for the candidates to spend the time to come in and, and meet with somebody from Drift. Yeah, it. so I, I believe the informal is super powerful, even if the candidate that you meet with today, say an engineer, is not ready, but they had a great experience. They had a great experience meeting Elias, talking to David. They, they might be willing to talk to their friends about the experience. It's like, okay, I'm not actually willing to leave my job today, but they know other engineers, they know other designers, and they're willing to, to pass the information along. It's, it's kind of getting that brand recognition out there on one-to-one. -one. And, and like, so you were able to uh, you know, build out a team. You've done a, in my opinion, a great job building a, a great employment brand out there. Are there tips that you'd give on building out the employment brand aspect of a company? If you think about, you know, maybe three, four years ago, the whole marketing side of talent acquisition really wasn't a focus. Now it's, you know, a big piece. Uh, how do you build out an effective employment brand? Um, I think it's, I think it's amazing what, uh, Dave Gearhart and David Kanzler are doing with Seeking Wisdom, just mm -hmm. talking about how we go about working here at Drift a lot of the times and just in general sharing knowledge, not just to promote your company, uh, but sharing knowledge how how you can build a company and what we've learned. It it and then also I think everyone at the company is a recruiter. So if they ha if they love their job, love coming into work every day, they help they help building the brand by going out for a drink with friends, going on a run with friends, and talking about oh I love my job at Drift today. This is what I do, and I think the word of mouth, especially with kind of showcasing your culture, 
uh, through blogging? Like, what are you doing differently that other companies might benefit from? And that's definitely what I've noticed with Seek and Wisdom, that the sharing of knowledge of everything that David has experienced from building five different companies, he just throws it all out there. Uh, yes. There's no like, things that he's keeping you know, under the rug, top secret type of stuff. And he does talk a lot about recruiting too and building a great culture. I, I have noticed, you know, you brought up a really interesting point where your employees are one of your greatest assets when it comes to referrals, employment branding. Uh, and I've noticed how um, much of a voice they have in the community, whether it's on LinkedIn, posting videos like Dave Gerhardt's posting videos saying, hey, we're hiring, and Craig Daniel is doing the same. So the people that I'm connected to on LinkedIn, I'm seeing drift everywhere. So, um, so that does speak volumes as far as the culture and desire that people have to promote it. Yeah, yeah. We're not, we're not even asking employees to tweet about things. It's, it, it's definitely contagious being here and, and they want to get out the word of how we go about work. I, I think we, we have a super fast paced environment that, that a lot of employees tend to enjoy. One of the things I noticed, again, you were doing a great job blogging. So I had a chance to review a lot of what you had written. Uh, you talked about diversity and inclusion very early on. Uh, it's obviously a topic that's on the radar for every company but you were blogging about it, I think two years ago or even longer. Um, so that's, you know, you were ahead of the curve. Uh, so what have you been doing as far as building out a uh, diverse and an inclusive workforce at Drift since the early days? Absolutely, I, it's a great question. I, I believe I'm fortunate enough to have founders that care about diversity and inclusion from day one. Uh, Elias is, is an immigrant from Nicaragua, and and David's parents were immigrants, so it it's top of mind. And I think if you have the founders buy-in, and not just hiring as fast as we can, or hiring referrals in the early days, I think it's about going out and hunting the right, hunting the right folks, or going out and reaching out and, and making connections with the right people to build the team. Because I think if you focus on focus on it in the early days, whether it be gender diversity, racial diversity, it's going to have a domino effect in the future. So if you have a diverse team at 50 employees, it's going to be a lot easier to scale and have a diverse and inclusive culture at 200 employees because they're going to be referring friends within their network, within their circles, and it's not just going to be one isolated circle. All right, so lesson learned is start early if you can. Yes, and and I heard an amazing, I heard an amazing quote the other day. It was diversity is is being invited to the party. Inclusion is being asked to dance by Verna Myers, a lawyer who does consulting for DNI in the legal world, and it's so true. We I think we embody that here at Drift when we're we're not siloing each department, whether it's the marketing, marketing department has their own events, sales has their own events. We, we wanna invite everyone to all of our events and that will definitely be, become harder as we continue to scale. But a great example was Elias this past weekend was, had folks down at his house 
and he invited everyone, not just the product team. He invited everyone to come hang out, have dinner, and, and just have a good time. And I, I think that it's tougher as you continue to scale, but we definitely want to look into better ways of how we can make our culture more inclusive as we grow. Going down that path around how Drift has built a very strong culture. Um, how you know, can you explain what the culture is like at Drift and how that you know that it seems like it's it's a very tight knit group um, yet sixty plus employees. Um, what's the yes. culture? I'd say every company talks about transparency. I think we take it to the extreme. Mm -hmm. uh, we over communicate where. We meet at 9.30 on Monday morning to go over metrics the week before as a whole company and, and talk about what customers signed on, the success cases of those customers, and then also talk about what customers left us and why. And then we go around as a group and talk about what we're working on for the week. And then we meet on Friday at 4 o'clock and actually have a show and tell and talk about what we built, we show off what we built, what we did, what we achieved, and, and all sell, just celebrate the win. We sit down, have a drink, have popcorn. It's, it's pretty telling, because everyone's in line with our, our final, not our final goal, but our, our yearly goal. So no one could stray. And then we, we fill out 15 fives, which is, which is tied to your manager every week and and that's talking about what you did in the week and then your manager giving you feedback so you're always aligned and never veering off path and then to take transparency even further david and elias have a podcast called inside drift which <laughs> is only shared internally and mm -hmm. they t they talk about what's on their mind whether it's about culture, how we're going to scale in the next 12 to 18 months, what it means to be a superstar at Drift, uh, why we took a Series B, and what does that mean, and how should we celebrate wins at Drift. So everyone really gets a perspective of what they're thinking about, and it, it's they're exposing their conversations behind closed doors, which is nice. That's interesting. So they go in this, the media room, they record their own podcast. Yes. And, and then and, and every employee, after they listen to it, they have, there's a channel for anonymous feedback. What do you think we did great here? Uh, what else do you want to hear about here at Trift? What, what can we talk about next week? Wow. That, I've never heard that. That's very unique. Uh, what was the other piece you said? Fifteen five was that like goal setting? Is that yeah? Like so it's it's continuous feedback, and in constant communication with your manager. So it's it's five questions. You fill it out on Friday, and you talk about what you what you did for the week, uh, what you achieved, what are you proud of, uh, where are you stuck, and then also what your goals are for the next week. And then there's a there's a question at the end. How 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 can we improve the culture? It's typically a culture question, and that goes directly to the manager. The manager fills it out over the weekend, and it it continues. It it allows for an open loop of communication. Is it the same format every week? The same questions like? 
we mix up probably two or three of the questions, but the initial top top two or three are, are the same. Got it. Okay. All right. So you've done an amazing job building out a team to where it is today. Sixty plus people. You've raised your Series B round. How are you going to scale it to the next level? Uh, it, it's it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. I think we're on plan uh, for growth until we until we got the Series B three weeks ago, and and we're now now behind plan. Right. Uh, but I think what our biggest asset will be is create an amazing culture that people want to be a part of, and inlining in outlining what it means to be at Drift, our values, and getting that out there. Because if we create the culture and continue the culture that we have, the team's only gonna grow, which means there's more voices out there in the community. And I think our marketing team does amazing job on branding, uh, brand awareness, really helps out the employment brand. Absolutely. Two and a half, almost three years <laughs> later of building Drift, are there anything that you you can think of that you would have done differently? Lessons learned. Uh, lessons learned. There's a lot of lessons learned. Um, I think. I think in general, the number one thing is you want people to be at the company for the right reason. And. And never simply because someone, especially on a small team, simply because someone is an amazing producer, but if they're not the right culture fit, you, you have to realize that sooner rather than later because it could affect the whole culture. Mm -hmm. And I think in the early days, we've definitely held on. We've wanted to make make things work rather than rather than be able to part ways amicably. Got it. Now, shifting gears a bit, uh, how do you personally go about evaluating talent? I guess this kind of would relay back to if you were hypothetically sourcing that top 100 list of engineers. What are you looking at, whether it's your own direct sourcing or inbounds, employee referrals, uh, applicants that are applying through job postings? What are you looking at for, at a resume to evaluate, yes, this person is drift quality? I definitely have some companies in the area that I admire and and we really look for folks that there's two different ends of the spectrum. Folks that have went through it before, that went through hypergrowth where it's they're at fifty employees to over four hundred employees and they know they love this stage. Or you have the other end of the spectrum where they could be coming from a company that's really massive and it's at it's a slow pace it's the only the only pace they ever know within a company and they want to work at a faster pace they and i think you get that at drift it's it's tough to see on a resume but you really don't you don't really get to understand it until you have that conversation with what they're looking for um and I, I think when I'm talking to candidates in general, I always look for motivation. And I think it's it comes in line with the decisions they made throughout their career and why 
and a question I absolutely love to ask candidates. Drift aside, what other companies in Boston uh, are you interested in? Like, what other companies in Boston would you want to work for? It kind of shows where their interests lie without really digging too deeply. If a person responded, I don't know, how do you respond to that or how do you take that type of answer? Maybe they're just absolutely not looking. Um, they're, they're happy at their current job. I'd say the I don't know means they're happy at their current job. I'd love for all Drift employees to not know <laughs> what other companies are hot out there. Right, exactly. Uh, absolutely. Um, one of the things that I like to ask, just because I think sometimes uh, job seekers aren't always aware uh, of maybe things that they do properly or maybe could improve upon, are there any pet peeves that you can think of that would be like a showstopper of, oh my God, that you never want to do this, or, or if any, like, I obviously don't want to name names, but a scenario that happened that you're like, oh yeah, that didn't work out. I, I think in general, when when money is the first topic of conversation, and especially here at Drift or even at even at a HubSpot, I think it was more about gaining the experience and, and wanting to go through that experience in your career. Whether at HubSpot, it was going from three hundred people to an IPO, and it was an amazing experience. And then here at Drift is is growing from zero revenue to 50 million in revenue one day, or 100 million in revenue one day. In in learning, it's it's about learning and growing your career in how you want to get to that next step, and not just the 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 monetary value in it. Yeah, just based on my background, I a thousand percent agree. Anytime money came up first. That was a super big red flag that the person was just trying to assess their market value versus trying to really identify the next logical step for their career and be deeply committed to making a change. Um, yes. Yeah. I, I, the, the one thing we talk about at Drift is we want folks here that are always, always learning. So we say always be learning. And I think it comes from hiring the intern to David. David's always reading books. Uh, we we want to hire folks that we can learn from, and we can help them grow, and they could also teach us something as well. Yeah. And never never be complacent where they are uh, within their career. I would always advise candidates that if they focus on their career upon joining a company, whether it's a large company or a startup, if they focus on in two to five years where they see their career being within that company as far as the growth, the people that they're gonna work with as far as building their network, and what they're going to learn by being part of that experience for two to five years, and hopefully longer, but that's a good window of time, the money piece usually works itself out. Like That's kind of like the afterthought that you know it just happens, your market value is what it is. If those other three things match up, then obviously it's, uh, it's going to be a good fit for all. Absolutely, absolutely, and I think the right candidates decide to join for the right reasons, and you you, you kind of see it in the interview process as well. If even if today, if say Drift needed a chief people officer, and I knew I could learn from them, and they would get us 
to the next stage and make Drift successful, I would absolutely want them to come join the team. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. folks that are always going to be leveling us up. I, I definitely haven't done a ton in my career, and I know I have a lot more to learn. So I, I welcome hiring people that could, could really push us forward. Yeah, absolutely. This might be a loaded question um, because I probably already know the answer, but <laughs> you raised your series B rounds. Um, what functions are you going to be hiring for for the rest of this year into to next year? You have some pretty ambitious goals there. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Goals, goals have went up, which I think we say all the time at Drift, <laughs> once you reach one. Uh, but we, we're, we're going to be hiring a lot in sales. Uh, we, we, could, we could almost double the size of the team in sales. So looking for account execs, inbound account execs, outbound in, uh, in Boston and in San Francisco, and, and then engineering. Uh, I think our toughest role right now to fill is sales operations, uh, Salesforce admin. And, and then we, we have a few marketing roles as well, whether it be content, content writer, uh, demand gen marketer, and then someone to really own the website here at Drift. From the very early days, you know, David Cancel, just by listening to the podcast, you know, took brand very serious. And it was something that from day one, he wanted to build a brand. And you know now as we're having this conversation, I realize I'm like we didn't even talk about what Drift does because I just assume people know the brand and what you guys do. But we should probably talk about you know. So what does Drift do? This is you know probably something I should have asked earlier in this conversation. But it's uh, it's such a strong brand that I just assume people know. So I'll, I'll give you the one liner. It's conversational driven sales and marketing automation platform. But in general, the way the way David has seen the world is. The product has been built before. Live chat's been around for a long time, but it's mainly been used for services and support. And in today's world, the way you communicate with friends, family, colleagues, it's all about messaging. You want to send a message and get a response back within seconds, minutes. And he said, that's how people want to buy today. You spend all these marketing dollars to get someone to a website, and if no one's there to answer a question or a bot to answer a question to push you down the funnel or make you turn away, it, it's, it's a horrible experience. It's like going into J. Crew and going to buy something, but there's no one there to actually help you. Mm -hmm. And we, we're, over, we're, we're on over 60,000 websites today and, and continuing to grow. We're also launching the email side of the platform in the coming weeks. Wow. We talked about different ways that people are joining Drift through uh, employee referrals, your direct sourcing. Uh, I heard, uh, again, seeking wisdom because wisdom, I'm an avid listener, uh, Dave Gerhardt shared a story of how he joined uh, the company. <laughs> and he was very committed. He wanted to be a part of it. and. There was some part of the story where he was, uh, I think, maybe going away for his honeymoon. I don't yep, know. Yep. Uh, and then he just was like, to David Cancel, I need to know this before I leave, if this is going to work. And so, because I think David was like, you know, let's connect when you get back from your honeymoon. <laughs> he was like, no. I yes. It's happening now. I can and, confirm that story. I, I, I was involved in that. And, okay. and he, he was dead set with hopefully getting an offer before he left so he can actually relax on his honeymoon. His wife would have probably killed him if he was thinking about it the whole time. So, so he obviously had a mission, 
if someone like a Dave Gerhardt has this mission that maybe they don't know anyone, they don't know you know any employees for that referral, they're worried about sending in an email, you know, responding to a job posting, is that going to get read? How should they engage with Drift to at least get heard? Uh, reach out to myself or Heather Fox, our sales recruiter, on LinkedIn. And in general, we're, we hope to be an anchored company here in Boston. And even if today is not the right time, if, if you want to be a part of Drift, gain experience at other great companies in Boston. And there's always going to be an opportunity to hopefully come work here at Drift. Even if you don't have the experience today, we want to keep that relationship open. And kudos to that. I'm, uh, you know, I've, I've heard that you know the, the goal for Drift is to become an anchor company in Boston. So I'm, uh, I'm really excited <laughs> for the future to see how it evolves and how it all plays out. Now, super, super excited for the next three to five to six years. Awesome. Well, Keith, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us. I appreciate it. Uh, I always like to end things with the opportunity to promote something that's on your radar or just reinforce that you're hiring, it's up to you. Absolutely. So we are hiring. I think sales operations is our biggest need right now. And I'm willing to throw this out there. This is our internal referral program. Bonus, wow. okay. which, so if you refer anyone to Drift, send them over to Keith at Drift.com mm -hmm. that we hire we're willing to send you plus one to anywhere in the U.S. for three days, uh, flight and hotel, up to $3,000. Because we, we definitely value experiences here at Drift. And, and we'd, yeah, we want, want people to actually go away, unwind, and then come back recharged. That is a great idea. Uh, I th you know, someone like that, that's pretty creative where you'll probably get more attention to that type of program um, yeah. versus giving someone $5,000 or $3,000 in, in, you know, in cash. Yeah. Uh, Alex, Alex on the team in sales, he recently joined and I think he's already tallied up four trips <laughs> so, and, it, and it doesn't count towards PTO. So he, he, he's going to have an a fun next six months to a year. That is phenomenal. Very cool. Well, Keith, thanks again for your time. I appreciate it and uh, wishing you guys all the best. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It was a great time, Keith. That's our show. Thank you for listening. To propel your career forward, go to VentureFizz.com, where you can visit our biz pages for a virtual tour of Boston's fastest-growing companies, check out our job board for listings of over 2,000 positions, and read about the latest in Boston's tech scene. Last but not least, please remember to subscribe to Career Inspiration by VentureFizz on iTunes or your podcast player of choice. And if you like it, please consider leaving us a five-star review. Have a great week, and no matter what, keep moving forward.